No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome to a very special edition of Banal of America. So special that it's coming at you just a few days after Christmas. It's sort of a gift in a lot of ways to the longtime Banal of America listeners uh, who, when they heard we were getting the show back up and running, tonight's guest was one of the most requested people uh, that I heard from. Almost as soon as I said, or heard, you know, people were requesting. Uh, as soon as I said I was going to get the show up and running, they were like, you got to get Adam Davies back on. You got to, you got to bring Adam Davies back on. So, uh, I've got Adam Davies back on the show. And I want to apologize, I guess, ahead of time. Adam already knows. I'm a little under the weather tonight, but I'm going to, I'm going to tough it out. And I'm, I, hopefully we can tap into that classic Banal Davies magic that, uh, you, you've come to love over the years here on Banal of America. Uh, I was just saying to Adam before we started, it's pretty amazing. The last time we talked to Adam Davies for BOA was in May of 2017, which is really crazy that it's been over six years uh, since Adam Davies was on the program. And uh, for Long time but all American listeners and probably a lot of people maybe who are only tangentially even familiar with the show. Probably our famous, our most famous episode ever uh, went down on October 4th, 2015. That's when Adam and John Carlson appeared on the show to talk about their encounter with this portal um, in the forests of uh, the Pacific Northwest. And it's it's become a famous uh, episode of In All of America. People always mention it to me. Uh, I think it's been cited in a couple of books. Um, I've heard other people talk about it on podcasts. It's a, just a strange sort of thing where it's like, oh, wow, that was, you know, I'll listen to the show. People are like, yeah, th- then there's this episode of Banal of America with Adam Davies. It's like, wait, that's that's the portal episode they're talking about. People always, everywhere I go somewhere and talk about Banal of America or something like that, people are asking me about the portal episode. So it's, I'd say it's our most famous episode, and that would probably explain why uh, when I – Talk about bringing the show back. People are always like, you got to get Adam Davies back. You got to get Adam Davies back. So it's been uh, a crazy six years uh, since the last time I talked to you, Adam. Uh, I'm stunned it's been so long. How have you been uh, in the interim since uh, 2017 when the last time we talked? I'm good. I mean, I want to thank you, first of all, for those matching pajamas you sent me. Uh, your audience can't see them, but we're both wearing <laughs> them. I'm not sure teddy bears are my thing, Tim, but uh, I'll wear them even though they're a bit itchy. <laughs> <laughs> no, in seriousness, I'm good. I mean, one thing I'd say is um, is you have charted things that I have done for many years now. So if your listeners are interested, it's almost like a historic thing when we go back. Uh, I think you were one of the first interviews I ever did, and I don't do that many interviews, uh, maximum a couple of a year. Uh, and in those interviews, you can see all the way through it's almost like a progression. So I like doing your interviews because I feel like it's a pause where I almost 
before the interview, I, I reflect and I think about what I have done in that time, so I can talk right. to you about it. Uh, so I've got a few things that I'll mention, uh, Bigfoot stroke related stuff, and then one very creepy story I'll mm-hmm. tell you. Um, and so we'll go from whenever you're ready, we'll talk about those. All right. Did you say Bigfoot stroke? No, Bigfoot, and then one very oh, creepy story. Oh, oh, that's the British. Not, Bigfoot, you, not okay. a Bigfoot stroke. Yeah, I, I thought for a minute. I'm like, oh shit. I I'm, I'm probably, I probably said something misspoke or something, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh shit. I feel like a real dick now. Not only am I not talked to him in six years, I completely missed the fact that he had a stroke. What kind no, of I'm shitty a friend am I? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty healthy. There's nothing wrong with me right now. As I said to you, I gave up smoking in February, so that was a good move for me. Um, I know, I know. But, um, but no, I, I don't have anything. I don't have anything physically or mentally wrong with me right now. Well, let's let's. Well, people get just to be complete assholes. We'll we'll get to the portal when we get to the portal. So, folks yeah, who are tuning yeah. tuning in for portal talk, you're gonna have to just listen, sit back, relax, pour a cup of coffee. Who knows when we're gonna get to the fucking portal? We'll get to it. Um, so the last time I talked to you, last time I saw you, uh, yeah. were we in San Diego, were we at the Whaley House? We were, we hung out in San Diego, yeah. yeah, we, hung yeah. Out we were at the Whaley San House. Do you want to tell people what the Whaley House is? Yeah, you were working as a tour guide at Whaley House, which is like the oldest haunted, uh, house in, you know, the most haunted house in San Diego and the old timey part of San Diego. Uh, it's like a time capsule kind of thing. It's hasn't changed like in. Hundreds of years, sort of, from when they first settled the city. It's a little bubble within the big city. It's kind of, you know, your nostalgic-y history kind of area. Yeah, I was doing some volunteer work, because there, I mean, predominantly I was a teacher, but I, I was doing that part-time. And it is. It's got a reputation as one of the most haunted houses in the whole of the United States, allegedly. And I thought it'd be good fun to do it, you know, it's something different. Yeah. Did you have a lot of ghostly experiences while you were uh, volunteering there? Um, I never saw a ghost, and I have got a I have got a a story to tell you. I'll tell you straight after this because it links in with that. Because um, it, and it's and it's and it's very strange. I never actually saw one. Um, I I want to say that predominantly I'm a I'm a researcher into cryptids, and I think they're physical right. creatures. So I'm not trying to mix to confuse the two, just to set the scene. But I did spend about a year working in that place, and. Um, what I got was, I got, I feel like I got a feeling when they were around, which was a bit like, you know, when you go on the top of a roller coaster and you feel like butterflies in yeah, your stomach. Yeah. I felt like yeah, you could yeah. feel that. And then the people with the, um, the people with the EVP, when the ghost hunters would come in, they'd regularly hear my name going, Adam, 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 all that. And I was always very polite, yeah? <laughs> and I oh, saw yeah. orbs. But of course, people will say, well, that's a light reflection, even though I kept seeing a, a, a green orb. Uh, quite a lot, and a blue one uh, in the parlour, which was allegedly one of the most haunted places. But I never physically saw a whole apparition in all the time I was there. Uh, except, and, but there was one time, and it was, and it's funny how your mind works, yeah? It's funny how your mind works. So, there was one time, it was after you had left. Now, the weather in San Diego is always like in the 70s and, and, and sunny, isn't it? I mean, it's a classic yeah, thing. Yeah. But there was one time when I had to lock it up, that house, at something like 2 in the morning. So me and this other guy were working. We'd been do- Sometimes they'd have private showings for people. After the place had shut, they'd have private showings. 
and we had this grouping of guys who came for a stag party, the um, the guy, a, a bachelor party. The guy right, didn't right. know that it was um, it was it was going to be there. He was blindfolded and taken there, and then we did some go. You know, we talked about the different rooms and everything else. And he, they had a fun, but the guy who was with me, he didn't feel well. Um, so he asked me if I'd lock up, and I lo- and then at that point a storm started. Yeah, Uh-oh, so yeah. it's like half past one in the morning. There's a storm starting. I'm on my own in one of the most haunted houses in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was I was laughing at the irony of it. Um, and um, I'd I'd la- I'd I'd um, I had to teach eight o'clock the next morning, and I had to get oh, back boy. from. From from this place to to my house, get some sleep and then teach. And as that, yeah. as many of your listeners know, teaching is a high energy job. So I was like, oh, I really need some sleep. And I, and I was like, what I'd learned to do was not look into the courthouse when I was locking up because I didn't. That for me was the creepiest part of the house. That was where okay, yeah. um, I got the most sensations of things happening. Right. And, um. So. To, 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 to what I had to do to go out was to set the alarm in this place. And then you run literally down the corridor in the Whaley House to get out oh, the God. door and shut it, yeah? Be, while the alarm's yeah. going off. Not like super fast, not like a sprint. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. You know. I used to work it, retail. I know what's safe. safe yeah, you, know, you hit the thing yeah, and you got to get the fuck go, out of the building. Do, 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 yeah. And you've got a certain Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Um, so... I was like, don't look in the courthouse. Whatever you do, don't look in the courthouse, yeah? So I was like, I'm not going to look in that courthouse. <laughs> and, but and you looked, didn't you? What did I do? I looked, yeah? I looked. And I just saw, and it was the only time in the entire year I was there I saw something physical. I just saw what looked like a head. Just a head floating across a little bit of the oh, courthouse. Shit. Just that, right? But my reaction was interesting because my reaction was like, um... I shut the door, get out, drive home, I'm lying in bed, and I'm really angry with myself. And I was lying in bed going, that fucking head, that fucking head, I knew I should have looked at the that fucking head. And that was all I was thinking. And I was like lying there for a few hours, irritated, irritated. Not the fact that I'd seen this thing. I just wanted to go to sleep because I had a job to do, you know what I mean? And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was it I'll- the time. Was it like a full-on head? I like, saw a side it... thing, like the side. Yeah, it was so brief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was like going across. Kind of place, yeah. I very clearly saw it, but I didn't. I didn't like have a have a really, really good look. Yeah, at it. yeah. But it was the only time, and it was floating across a little bit. You know. I, yeah. So, so that was weird. But I never saw anything else there, and I was there a lot. You know, I was there a lot. I did feel it, and things called out my name. Uh, but I never saw anything per se apart from those orbs, and I know they can be. Like reflection. Now, I want to say two things. I mean, first of all, in those in those instances, there is something called cognitive priming. So if you're in a haunted yeah. house, you're more likely to, and you want to see a ghost, you're more likely to see them. Um, but I, as I say, I was there all the time. This is the only incident where I feel like I saw one. The second thing is, as we go through, I'm going to talk about some of the things that really struck me as a, important adventures over the last five years. But most yeah. of the time in my research... Um, nothing happens. 
I am out all the time, every day, for example, doing a cryptid research. And 99.9% of the time, I'm having a nice time in the woods and nothing happens. What I'm doing in my conversations with you is emphasising those times when something strange has happened. So it's like a kind of condensed into uh, our conversation today. And I want to say that. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want people to think, you know, every time I go out, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because that's not going to happen. But let me tell you, most of the time, if you're doing, say, cryptid research or even paranormal research, I would think, um, but I wouldn't call myself a paranormal researcher. Um, most of the time, nothing's going to happen, and quite right too. Yeah, so there we are. But I yeah, thought yeah. that was, that was, that was kind of interesting. So that was San Diego. And then you moved on to back in the Bigfoot games, what you were saying earlier. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, you came to America – Interestingly, from what I recall from our conversations in the past, you came to America first on sort of an expedition looking for Bigfoot. That's when you had the picture of the weird thing by the picnic table. That's right. And I think that was in 2012. That was yeah, in 2012. It was a yeah, long time came, ago now. That's crazy. Yeah, I came here. I came here then. Well, it's funny how things turn out. You know, I, I would say I'm quite a planner as a person normally, but the most significant things for good or bad that's ever happened to me have happened to me almost by accident you know yeah. um i don't know why that is uh but but it's the way it is so um that was the first bigfoot thing now would you like me to talk more about the bigfoot or do you want me to tell me to, me to tell you another of paranormal stories it's up to you <laughs> well the, the paranormal stories let's let's go with paranormal. let's, let's, let's go with the second stuff. let's go with the second one and then i'll move on to the bigfoot thing if you like because i think okay yeah this yeah. is interesting because Okay, so there's a few, but I want to tell you. I wanted to tell you this story because I thought this was kind of interesting. Are you okay there still? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's giving me another uh, connection is unstable, but I have it plugged into. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Yeah, it's plugged into the fucking thing. I don't know why it's. So it's still working. Yeah, okay. I don't know why it's telling me it's unstable. Uh, let me. Let me just see here. Hold on. Yeah. Well, it's gone away, so now we'll just... Yeah, just go, ahead, go ahead. So, that, I wanted to tell you this. I thought if there's one story I want to tell you tonight, which is of a paranormal nature, I want to tell you this one. Um, yeah. So, in February of this year, I was in West Virginia. And what I was doing in West Virginia was I was do, essentially doing, doing some Bigfoot research, yeah? I thought that's a good nice. time. Yeah. It's a good time to go there. You can, I mean, people will often say, well, I won't do research in um, winter. It's too cold. It's like, have at it. Go for it. Because, you know, that's a great time to set up trail cameras. You can see a long way as well. You know, you get some binoculars, you can see and you can look for things. It's a really yeah. good time. I like doing I do research all year round, but I like doing research um, in winter. I think it works very well. Um, yeah, because there's nothing on the trees. Yeah, you can get, get a much better view of the area. Yeah, it's great. So I went to West Virginia. I went with a friend of mine to West Virginia, and um, we stayed in this house. Now, the reason I wanted to mention it is because it cuts to that uh, Whaley House thing. Now, you remember mm-hmm. just to start that Whaley House thing, um, I told you I had those like butterflies in my stomachs and things like that when I thought things were around. Anyway, I stayed right. in this house. And um, this old house 
And I was set on the trail cameras, but every time I went into the back bedroom, because there are a few bedrooms in this place, I had that feeling, yeah? That yeah. very strange feeling. And I thought, that is seriously weird. Seriously, seriously weird. So, um, on the last night, I decided I'd just set up a trail camera. The night before the last night, I decided I'd just set up a trail camera on one of those heaters. You know on those space, space heater things? I can't remember what they're called here. Yeah. It's yeah, got yeah. a long pole. You know, it's a long pole because it was still mm-hmm. cold in February in West Virginia. So I tied it to that and just pointed it in the corner of the room. And, um, Frank's got a dog and every time um, the dog was going in, it was looking at things in the corner. Do you know what I mean? It was looking in... Yeah, something was... Yeah, yeah I thought there's something kind of off here. So, um... I, uh... I get home, and, uh... I put... I didn't check the trail camera at the time. Got home. Pull the trail camera out, and there's a photograph of a face on the trail oh, a very clear face from there onwards very clear oh, God. I've got it now <clears throat> the door front door was locked the door to this bedroom was locked nothing was taken so you have a, a couple of explanations here and I so presume you, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere right it's not, not like out in the middle of nowhere in a small small place yeah okay yeah, yeah. But, but but it was Country, very country is the best way to describe okay. it. So you got you got you got two explanations. The first explanation is that somebody broke in to the house in the night, yeah, in the middle of the night, while you were sleeping. While I was sleeping, while the other person in the house was sleeping, exactly. while the dog was sleeping. The dog is a pit bull, oh, <laughs> you know, and got past all of us without disturbing any of us, including. A dog, yeah? And yeah, yeah. went to the back bedroom, unlocked it, took one photograph on the trail camera, left without <laughs> stealing anything in the middle of the night, and got past us right. undetected again. Yeah? Now, yeah. that's not um, impossible, but it's unlikely. Or there's a paranormal explanation that it's some sort right, of spirit right. or ghost. Now... Most people, I think, even in those circumstances, would be inclined to say, it's a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> It's just a friggin' weirdo who's done that. <clears throat> and I could understand why. But I suppose. Is... But I find that, yeah, I, find, I think, you know, uh, someone who would say that would think that we were crazy for thinking it's paranormal. But I'd be hmm. like, dude, you're, you're crazy for thinking that this, this incredibly implausible scenario is the case. You know what I mean? To me, it's yeah. like, the paranormal make, is way more plausible here than someone broke into the house, snuck in, got past the dog, especially, somehow got in the room, knew there was a trail cam there, right? It's pitch black in the room, so it's not like they... Yeah, the lights are up, yeah. yeah. Right, so it's not like they, they knew what to look for or whatever. So, yeah, it makes no sense that it was an actual person, but go on. Well, it gets even more. So, so even if you were very skeptical and you thought that, and... and this is where it gets even more interesting. So I got um, my then friend, I got her to contact the person who owned the property because uh, we were doing one of those, uh, you know, those were rental things. Airbnb, that's it. The Airbnb. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, 
she showed her that basically it turns out the photograph from to the best of my knowledge had a resemblance to her cousin who had died in oh, Vietnam at 19 because it was where this this figure looks like he's wearing a military uniform and that was his favorite place to play when he was a kid oh wow so that's pretty cool wow. it's very interesting isn't it it's very interesting wow. yeah so you could even i mean you know so it's either one thing or the other and normally you go i think when you're doing analysis you should go with the most mundane explanation but there it becomes the chain of implausibility to the most mundane explanation almost makes the most mundane explanation very highly implausible. Because what you have then is that whole scenario right. where somebody would have to have broken in, not stolen, not stolen anything, got past two adults and a dog. As you say, got into that room in the dark, switched the gun, <laughs> taken one picture, left and right. then got out without us knowing. And then... Yeah. I wouldn't have a resemblance to some family member of the person who owned the property, and this person was also wearing a sort of what looked like to be a military uniform. It's fascinating. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That you know, just it, yeah. You know, and I want to say one last thing about the paranormal thing. There's another story I could tell you. We'll see if we've got time. But but the the, the um, I want to say one last thing about this paranormal thing was, you know, I, I'm quite happy to have things tested and debunked. So uh, in this summer, summer. I was at a wedding, um, a friend of mine, uh, Phil Collins, he was getting married over in <clears throat> New York State, and we went to the, a bridge. Not where the, the singer, right? No, 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 not him. <laughs> no, no, no. No, but he did sing a Phil Collins song at his wedding, because he gets that. Oh, old. of course, you got to, you got <laughs> to. He did it, yeah. Um, but I was there with a couple of other friends of mine, uh, Mark and Coyote. So we went to that, and I know it's a novel before anyone says it, the Headless Horseman Bridge, yeah? We just went there for a, yeah, for a yeah. laugh. And uh, Coyote's doing this thing. The Headless Horseman Bridge is quite small, actually. It's stunningly small. <laughs> it's like... But we, we do this thing where we're just fooling around. And, and I, uh, you know, I have a public Facebook page, as you know, as well as my private one. And I said, oh, let's have this thing where, Coyote, you're running across the bridge chasing me. Going, like this, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he does this thing where he runs across the bridge and chases me. But there's this really weird, what sounds like a really weird voice, and it goes, ready, when I say, you ready, yeah? And it goes, ready. So I, I said, I said, I've got a couple of friends who are involved in paranormal investigations, Krista and Brandy, they call the blonde and the booze. And I said, this voice sounds weird. So can you analyse it? And they did, and it sounded, that to their, they came back and it says, well, it's not a voice, it's actually an amphibian. You know, or it sounds like amphibian. It's just the way it sounds more like a frog, yeah, or oh, frog, yeah. But it's just it's just the way it sounds on your recording. So the reason I make that point is because um, when you go into these experiences, and it works for both paranormal and uh, cryptozoology, you have cognitive priming. <laughs> People want to see a bigfoot, and often they see a bigfoot. I've been on many of these things where. Uh, when I'm not, I do most of the research on my own, but if I've been out with a group, sometimes people said, oh, it's a Bigfoot. You know, oh, I see eyes shine. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if Bigfoots are real, then they're extremely rare. Yeah, the chances right, that right. every time Bobby Sue goes out, she's going to see a Bigfoot's eye shine uh, just after 100 feet away from a campfire. But that's what she wants to see. So right, evidence right. should be tested and corroborated 
and replicated in order for it to stand any sort of test, whether it's cryptid related or paranormal related. And I make a distinction between the two because for me, generally speaking, they're two different subjects. Yeah. Uh, but I think that that's, that um, West Virginia uh, account is a classic example of something that's very difficult to explain um, yeah. normally. And I think, you know, and I would say, as I said, with the San Diego stuff, I was in that house for a year and that was the only time I felt like I ever saw something. And I was there two or three nights a week for a year, you know? Yeah. Do you, now I don't need this now, but can you send me that picture from the house? Ooh. At some point, but I'm not going to put it online yet. Uh, all right, can you just send, uh, all right, just send it to me. Send no, it to I'll send me? it to you. <laughs> I'm not going to put it online yet. I'll put it in. I'll put it in my next book. That's what I'm going to do with it. All right. Mm. Now, what I was thinking about you today, because we were going to be talking tonight, mm. and one question that kind of crossed my mind. Is, this feels a little bit like almost since it's been so long since we talked. A little bit almost like a like a little look back in a way. Um, and when you were first on the show, the first time you were on the program, you your whole thing was the Orang Pendak. That's where you kind yes. of cut your teeth and really made your made your bones going to Sumatra looking for the Orang Pendak. But then uh, I take it you have not been back to Sumatra uh, at <laughs> least since we've talked, which then would make it probably now about 10-plus years since you've yes. so kind of given up the idea of going to – Going, you know, have you kind of, I don't want to say giving up the search. You're a young guy. You, you, in the next couple of years, you could be going back to Sumatra in 2025 or whatever. You know what I mean? But so, certainly you seem to have paused this sort of idea that you were just going to keep going to Sumatra until you found the thing, which is probably for your best, for the best in general. I mean, I think that would be, that's the smartest thing for anyone to do. I, I think if yeah. you, you had gone to gonna... Sumatra every year, yeah, I think, I think you would have lost your mind a little bit. And we would have been like. So what happened this time, Adam? You'd be like, oh, you know, this, you know. It's I don't want to be. Like, oh, I don't want to be like that. No, I didn't want right, to be like right, that. So, right. so, so I'll answer your question. But I guess talk a little bit. That's kind of yeah. Talk a little bit about sort of that transition, if you will, from sort of focusing on the orange and have you been following it? Are they getting any closer, despite the fact that they don't have your genius at work to help <laughs> the efforts? <laughs> well, I, I, my, all my time. The predominance of my time researching has been big or feral people related. And I want to talk about feral people later on. Because uh, I think that's, that, yeah, that's interesting. Ooh, um, like that. um, so, so we'll talk about that. But uh, I, did, I never wanted to get very obsessed with one particular cryptid. I mean, your listeners yeah. might know. For example, I look for the Makile Mamba in the Congo, the Mandiburung in India, uh, Yaren in China, lots of different things. My, the Orang Pendak was always my favourite, and you're right, I went to Sumatra eight times. But I, didn't, I, think it, I don't think it's healthy to just bang on and on and on about the same thing and do that. Um, right, because right. it's always very difficult to get evidence for these things. The Orang Pendak is very rare. It's in, a very, uh, it's in an area that is under threat, um, and, I, and I wanted to find it. But I, don't want it, I, didn't, want it to, I didn't want it to become an obsession. Right. And so... I never that wanted to do that. To a lot of people. Yeah, it does. It does, and some people who, you know, I think, I think some people get very unhappy if they don't find that evidence because they're highly competent. Sometimes, for example, right, right. René de Hinden um, was very, com uh, very uh, assiduous and detailed researcher, and he didn't get that, and he didn't get that evidence. 
And, you know, I think that, that would, I think that hurt him. Whereas you've got someone like Bob Gimlin, who was just lucky that day, you know, when he sees the Patterson Gimlin right. thing, he's just lucky. Now, Bob's lovely. I, I think he's a great guy, but René de Hinden was an accomplished, detailed researcher. Bob's a lucky guy. He just happened to be there. He'd say that himself. He's lucky. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And it was Roger Patterson's idea. And so, and that is often what can happen, you know. I could go out, I go out all the time. I live in Tennessee now, and I go out all the time researching. I climb mountains, I go through all sorts of things, you know, all the time I'm out. But um, what's more likely, the most likely way evidence of Bigfoot will be found, is if someone just bumps it on their, some like deer hunters knocks it down on a, as he's driving home one day, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He probably doesn't give a shit about Bigfoot or anything else, yeah? But, um, so, so, I just think that's just the way things roll sometimes. So I didn't want to do that. Um, But the last time we spoke, I was living in San Diego, and what I did, I spent quite a bit of time going out with um, some of the Native American people there. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I was in... um, there's a guy called Marcel Cagney, and we went out doing some research around the areas. I also um, spent some time doing some projects on the border uh, with Mexico. There were some very unsavory characters I met. The <laughs> border of Mexico oh, no. can be a bit bit dodgy. Yeah, but I had a, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I had to... Um, I had my wits about me, but I had a, a trail camp. And you're a British guy, so you, you stick out like even more like a sore thumb. You're like, wait a minute, yeah, what's, well, this, wait, what's this British guy doing running around here on the American-Mexican border? How did you, <laughs> how did you get here, guy? Well, it wasn't so much the border patrol. It was more the the other figures that you might meet occasionally, you know. I can imagine, yeah. I, I remember there was one guy wandering around, and he had a – I remember he had a really big head, and he had a, a stick with a club on the end, and he was yes. wandering around in the scrub. I don't know what he was looking for, but – me and him uh, met, and we just nodded, and I was like, I'm getting ready for this guy. But he was far more interested in whatever he was looking for in the dirt, but he looked like something from Breaking <laughs> Bad. Do you know what I mean? He was like, oh, man. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, but, um, so I did that quite a while. But before I left, I think the, the coolest story there from California that I can think of when I focus my mind was I'd worked very hard to get, permission to go into these uh, into this tribal area so as there was um there's the Thule tribe which is in central california and they were great with me but it took about a year to get permission to go to their um special tribal a- area which is high in the mountains they're the ones with the bigfoot pe- uh bigfoot cave painting thing you know rock oh, painting okay. thing. yeah um and and i think i was the first person who wasn't from their tribe to go up to this area i don't know if there are anything else but it's three hours up from the mountains in the mountains um they have their own little cabins and uh my friend craig and his wife i went up there with them and a couple of other people and this was a, a purported uh bigfoot area for generations so I was really privileged to get permission. And we stayed in these little cabins, and it kicked off at night. It went mad. So I'm in one cabin, yeah. and Craig and his wife are in the other cabin. I was with somebody else in the other cabin. And 
they were just, there were things, things, and I can't say, I, I've got to be careful because I didn't see them, so I can't say as say what it was. But it's like, this is in the mountains, it's very most three hours uphill from the tribe, in their own area, and the things were throwing stuff at our cabins all night long, for hours really? and hours and hours. And when we come out, they would stop, and then we go back in, and then they throw it, yeah? And these were not oh, substantial, Jesus. these were little huts, yeah? Um, it felt. Did you see the stuff on the ground that they were throwing at? Yeah, well, house? I saw the branches. They were branches and things like that they were throwing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was boom, boom, boom all night, all night. Both the cabins, hours. When it went to daylight, there was nothing. And I really wanted to go back there just before I left San Diego um, to go to Ohio. I really wanted to go back there, but unfortunately, my friend Craig got bitten by a rattlesnake. Oh, he nearly yeah, there's loads of snakes there. He nearly died, but he survived and he's cool. But I was really keen to go there just before I, I left for Ohio. And uh, and I did not, which is unfortunate, because that was a great, that was great. It was a wow. really interesting piece of research. Weird. Did you ever look, why didn't you look out the window when the house, when the, when the well, we did, but the, the things would stop. see anything? The, the, oh, all right. The, you jump out and the things would stop. It's a good question. No, no, yeah. I'm just trying to yeah, yeah, no, no, try no, put myself in that situation. I'd be trying, I'd be looking out the window, going like, "What the fuck's throwing?" Well, yeah, you look out the window, but you can't see anything. It's pitch black, and all you can hear right. is things landing on the on on, on yeah, the roof. That makes sense. When you come outside, it stops, and you can't see whatever's doing it. Yeah, many times I had a look, but never really got a clear look. You know? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's so, oh, so to, to circle back, I, I. I am. You're my only source for what might be happening. So, what is? Are they any closer to finding? Oh, the Iran Connect. Sorry, even when I was talking to you about it, I didn't answer the question. Um, Yeah, well, just because my own curiosity. It's like when we used to talk about it, it was like it seemed like they were really close, but uh, they still haven't gotten it yet. It's like they haven't uh, gotten it yet. There's been there are sightings with sporadic uh, regularity, but no, they haven't got it yet. I mean, it's very elusive. I mean, it's retreating farther. I would imagine it's retreating. And this is me speculating because I don't know. It's retreating farther and farther into that jungle. There's still yeah. enough jungle just about so they can do that. But it's a roaming creature. So, um, I mean, you know, the most common sightings of the Orang Pendek, when I used to look for it, was that it was on the edge of uh, farms. So what do I mean by farms? Okay, so... I get married, I don't know, I marry, I don't know, somebody called, let's call her Crystal. I marry Crystal, yeah? yeah? You marry Genevieve, yeah? And we're brothers, yeah? Oh, so, no, excellent. Okay. So you're married to Genevieve, I'm married to Crystal. And where do we get our, you know, the eldest son might get the land, okay? Say I'm the eldest son, where do you and Genevieve get your land from? You cut down a bit of the forest, Yeah. Now you've yeah. got a farm, and it's very fertile land. It's all volcanic in Sumatra, so it's real fertile. So, um, so, so that's what happens. Now, right. um, the question then becomes that 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 rainforest gets more and more eroded. So, where you were seeing Orang Pendek was often on the edge of that farmland, eating things like sugarcane. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and rainforest gets pulled down all the time for things like palm oil plantations, which is very, um, which is a very poor uh, ecological system. A palm oil plantation, not many things can survive there. Yeah. So, 
uh, I, I, I still hope there is things with the Orang Pandak, but uh, and I still think that I will do more travelling. But other than Canada, I've mostly spent the United, my time in the United States yeah. uh, over the last last time I whatever years. Well, there's we plenty to look for here. So yeah, I, I mean, I've travelled all over the place. I must have travelled to a many many states now at least over half of them looking for evidence of bigfoot so so i've done a lot of traveling to different places and tonight you know we're just we're just looking at a few stories i've done as i say a lot of the time i'm standing on top of a mountain nothing happens i'm standing in a swamp nothing happens you know i'm in the desert in california nothing happens all these different systems uh nothing happens but we're just getting a few a few of the things that have really struck me over the last few years. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you, what, you moved from California to Ohio, you said? Yeah, I spent years in Ohio. I also went a lot in the desert. Um, I went a lot in the desert and had a look around there in California. I enjoyed the desert. It has a stark beauty. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was glad to get back to woods. I was only six months in Ohio. Mm-hmm. before I moved to Tennessee. And I moved to Tennessee uh, in uh, almost a year, a year exactly almost to the day. Yeah. And, oh, okay. Uh, and, I, I, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Uh, whereabouts in Tennessee are you? I don't want to say exactly, but not far away from the airport. Uh, <laughs> Knoxville, <laughs> Knoxville. Okay. I was just in Nashville last weekend. So I didn't oh, right. Okay. Way. No, yeah. I know you were. You were at that conference. I saw you on Facebook. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I visited the Bell Witch Cave. You been out there at all? No, I haven't. I should go. Oh, you should check it out. It's fun. Yeah, I'll be very interested. Uh, but but I but where I am is only about forty five minutes from the Great Smoky Mountains. Yeah. And I can be from my door to the Smokies in forty five minutes, and then within an hour I can be off trail. Oh wow. Nice. And um, I can do lot. I've been doing lots and lots of research in that area, uh, and, and I want to come on to feral people. But I want to tell you, if I may, yes, one other story. One other mm-hmm. story uh, before we move on to Tennessee, um, which I think is very interesting, which I want to tell you about. Or am I, or am I yeah. jumping around too much? Am I caught? No, no, no. You're fine. I don't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it. What show do you? What show do you think you're on, Adam? This has fucking been all America. We do whatever Some we want. People, well, I like the anarchic vibe to your show. Some people are like, well, go from this to this to this in a linear way. And I'm like, no, shit, I want to tell him this. It just pops into my head. Yeah, Don't no, let me no, forget no, the whatever, thorough people thinking, because that's the one thing. I, already, I, 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 I can already tell you, half the people listening are like, get to the fucking portal already, man. Get to the portal already. We're going to get well, to we'll the, the portal. We'll do that at the end. Let's, let's, let's just do this. Let's I just know, do this. How about crazy. this? We'll do we'll do this. We'll do this. And then the feral people, and then we'll talk about a poll. Okay. There you go. There you go. So I don't personally. I <laughs> I can hear them. I you don't understand. I can hear them. I can hear them. Like let's. Everyone's like, We're gonna I, do I, I want to hear about the feral we'll, people. But anyway, let's. We'll, so we'll do it. Well, let's tell you this story is because yeah. I've only heard. Um, I went. I spent some time on Vancouver Island uh, yeah. with Thomas Stewart, and and that was one of the only places. I've only heard three very cool um, Bigfoot-related howls, or possible Bigfoot-related. I say possible, didn't see it, but I thought they were of interest. 
Uh, I'm finding something. That's why I'm playing on my phone. Uh, for you, so you can have a little listen. But um, one of the, you know, one of them was in Alabama, uh, where um, one of them was in Washington State, and one of them was in Vancouver Island. Here's the one uh, I played. Three, in, three different expeditions. Yeah, here's one from Alabama. You just hear some dogs and things howling in the background, and then you go. Then you hear a howl. Oh, wow. Oh, jeez. See, that would scare the shit out of me. (laughs) Then you're in the... And at that point, you're in the middle of the woods. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But let me tell you, I just thought that was interesting, tangential thing. So, I went to Port... So, I'm in a bar in Vancouver Island. It was before... I, uh, and, I, and I was talking to... Uh, I was talking to Stephen Major, this guy there. And we, we were about to go on this trip to Vancouver Island. I didn't meet him by accident in the bar. <laughs> so, right, right, right. You know, we're, having a, we're having a drink chat. And he says, you know, I'd really like to do this thing lo- looking for the hairy man. I'd really like to do that. I've always wanted to do that. I've always been interested... And I was like, okay, I'm interested too. And he said, you know, if you go, I'll, I'll kind of pay you to make sure I'm, I'm, not, I'm come back in one piece and everything, you know. Yeah. It's always been a dream of mine. My wife's worried. And I was like, well, yeah. Let's. He said, but there's a, there's stories about this creature there that goes out and kills people, you know. And and in, 19, in the 1950s, the whole town was abandoned because yeah, yeah. Um, because these things killed people. This and is I like thought, Western Canada? Uh, no, it's uh, Alaska. Point oh, okay, 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 okay. It's in Alaska, you can look it up. And I thought, well, this sounds great, man. And not only is this dude paying me to keep keep him alive, but I'm also going to go and, like, like lodge it looking for a monster that's killed people. And uh, Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Now, There's actually a chance he may not come back alive. Yeah, well, I, well... Bollocks! I'm going anyway. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, if, if you know what? Good, then they're going to take you and him out. So it's like, ah, <laughs> hey, you know, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Yeah. I don't know what good you think I would do in the face of a of a monstrous <laughs> creature like that. But all right, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So, and, but and then, you know, there is a lot of research that I mean, if you go on, if you look at this story, yeah. Um, People will, the, so the story is, as I say, in the 1950s, uh, this town was a prosperous fishing town called Port Chatham, and, uh, and something called the Hairy Man started to kill people, so they evacuated it and all left in terror, yeah? Yeah. Now, yeah. since that, there's other uh, contrary articles which say, actually, this is an urban myth, it's made up, um, you know, some, one individual spread this story, and uh, that's what happened. So again, I think you should consider what's the more likely to be the more plausible story. Has this been a rollback of civilization by a big creature that went around killing people, or is it more likely that um, the can it, the, the industry there, the, which was the fishing industry, suffered a decline and they left? Well, clearly, um, the fishing industry suffered a decline and they left is the more likely scenario. Right, and I accept that. I accept that. But whatever um, is the truth behind that, 
the people there in the locality believed that it was a badass place yeah they were like they were like the native americans who own land i think one of them sent a mail to steven saying don't go it's one of the most evil places on earth um um the locals when we were going there the first time we were going um me steven and this guy called josiah they were they were like we could get Stephen could only get one boatman to take us out there, yeah. And he was like a thousand dollars in and a thousand dollars out just to drop us off on the damn beach, yeah. And and he was like he was like he was like that captain out of Jaws. He was going, you know, and we're going we're going to be going around the clashing rocks and <laughs> it's like I was like oh well going crazy ass captain. He was the only one, and you know when we got back. After we survived, uh, people were people like were shaking our hands, saying, "Oh my goodness, you're alive! You're alive!" We stopped at a, a Native uh, American village on the way, and yeah. uh, they just didn't want to talk to us because we were going there. You know, it was like we were cursed. It was like something out of a Stephen King novel. You know, I thought oh, this. Yeah. Would make, I thought this would make a great novel, and in fact, I wrote one. I got long COVID, and uh, I was like quite oh, fuzzy. That was quite fuzzy headed. And so I wasn't well for a while. So I wrote um, my first novel, Revenge of the Hairy Man, just imagining what would have happened if the scenario was real and if these creatures really had killed people and, and sent it out. So I wrote a story behind it, but I just thought it was such a cool story. I thought it was really interesting. There's loads more I could say, but I just want to condense what I'm saying tonight. But, but that, was, that was something I thought was really a very, very interesting story. And afterwards I went out with... Uh, I think a year or two later, Stephen and I and a guy called Larry Beans back. So we went to the Arctic Circle. We travelled that vast area all the way up to um, the Arctic Circle um, in, in, you know, in Alaska. From yeah. um, Fairbanks, we went on that. Um, we went all the way up, all the way, and I swam in the Arctic Sea when I got to the top. Jesus. So there we are. You are an adventurer. But when you went to this town where the Bigfoots or whatever ran all the people out, you didn't find any. Like what, No, what it, was abandoned. it was abandoned. So it was abandoned. Yeah, it was, it was abandoned. It has an eerie vibe to it. I mean, that's yeah, definitely well, true. Yeah. Anyway, and there was one time when I was yeah. pulling my shotgun up and I saw something what something that looked like it was shimmering in the bushes and I pulled the shotgun up. I was so concerned about it, but I didn't get a clear look at what it was. That's a whole bigger story, but didn't find anything. It was just a cool story, and uh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, Alaska yeah, is yeah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So there we are. All right, so feral people, and then I promise you, we'll yes, do this. Yes. We'll do this portal thing. The reason why I talk about feral people was because um, the area of, of, of Tennessee where I do a lot of research. Obviously, what I'm doing essentially is looking for. Evidence of Bigfoot, physical evidence of Bigfoot. I don't think it's a paranormal entity. I think it leaves footprints. I think it consumes food. I think it's a real creature. And it's a, okay, a you paranormal, think it's a flesh and blood creature. I think it's a flesh and blood creature. I think it may well have unique qualities, which I don't understand, but I don't All think right. it's a ghost or anything. You know what I mean? I think the two okay. are, are different. Uh, I'm interested right. in both. So you don't subscribe to the paranormal <laughs> possibilities of Bigfoot? which a lot of people do. Well, I don't know what, what qualities Bigfoot would have. The, 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 the qualities I don't subscribe, I can tell you what I don't think. I don't 
subscribe to this notion that Bigfoot is a wonderful, benevolent creature that just wants to save humanity. And the only people can hear it or speak to it are those with a pure heart, yeah? Oh, so, God, I don't know. Yeah, that's a real far out. Yeah, well, that, that, yeah, would, be you and, that would be you and I fuck for a start. Um, but, 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 but it's, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just bullshit, that. There's no animal or, I mean, that notion is incredible. The idea that, um, if you look at people, there are good people, there are bad people, there are dickheads. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you that look at That ascribes a sentience to Bigfoot that yeah. I don't necessarily subscribe to. Like, like, like Bigfoot, some higher intelligence, yeah. like better higher, than people even. Yeah, yeah. it's like that. Well, I, a higher hippie creature that just wants yeah, to Yeah, yeah, that to me, yeah, I that's mean, like, people, all right, that's a stretch. Yeah, people have different personalities. So do, so do animals have different personalities. Exactly. You know, yeah. your cat can be nice one day. Or it can be a dick the next day, you know? I mean, right, it's just... Right, right, The idea that Bigfoot's just... I don't subscribe to that. But other than okay. that, I, I don't know. We have no specimens of Bigfoot. And I think there's too many, too much dealing in certainties in this place, you know? I mean, I think it's cool to say I don't know. And um, and I don't know is an important thing to say. Absolutely. In a lot of these... This, so I don't know. I know, but I want to try and gather evidence, so... I'm looking to try and get hair samples with hair traps. I'm looking to set trail cameras up and do things like that. And I spend a lot of time out in nature and people who might see my Adam Davis Facebook page will see me take lots of photographs of the wilderness and photographs out there. Um, but um, I'm out looking for nature and doing that. Uh, and I love it. But the I got very interested in the feral people stories. So near there, uh, near where I'm, I, I am was the Dennis Martin story at Spence Field. Now, Dennis Martin uh, disappeared. You know, I think it's, I'm looking at my note here. I think it's June 1969 is when he disappeared. Now, it's yeah. a very interesting story. So he's six I've years old. i story. Okay, oh, you look it up. It's famous. It's famous. So he's, he, him and his family are up in this place called Spence Field. It's high-level pasture. And... Um, they're picking blueberries. It's a heck of a long way to go for blueberries. I'll tell you about that later. But they're doing that. And six-year-old Dennis Martin disappears behind a bush. He's never found again. His family looked for him everywhere. There's a search. There's, there's <clears throat> and even the Green Berets are involved. Oh, wow. There's dogs, thousands of people. No trace of him is ever found. But his father... Uh, thinks, you know, so there's different possibilities. Did he wander away and die of exposure? Was he killed by a bear? And there are a lot of bears in my part of Tennessee. A lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, or did some sort of feral person take him? And um, his father, I think his father believed the latter. But it's a famous story. Now, I went up to the first time I went up Spence Field, I was fine. I'm there, and I climb, I climb, and do a lot of trekking and all that lot. Yeah. The yeah. second time I went to Spence Field, <clears throat> but the first time I went, it's a creepy ass place, Tim. Of all the places I've hiked, mm-hmm. first of all, from it's a it's an effort to get there. I should say that. So if you if you go from Cades Cove, <clears throat> the, the, the car park area at Cades Cove up to Spence Field and back, you're talking 13 miles, and you're climbing a lot of that first section, yeah? So it's a hard track. It's a hard track. that sounds tough. 
That's yeah, but the first time. Do, yeah. <laughs> well, the first time. Well, not at the moment. You wouldn't anyway. <laughs> no, 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 not right now. But, but, but the first time I did it, um, I was fine. The second time I do it, and I'm with um, somebody who's a nurse who comes, who, who's with me. As we're getting up there, we both collapse. Yeah. Oh Jesus! It's so yeah. weird. Both collapse. I passed out and eventually made it up there through determination. Yeah. But only, only, like, this is very recently. This happened this year. It's only, like, what, six or seven weeks later? Uh, I, I, a couple of weeks, two or three weeks ago now, I climbed Mount Lacon for a charity climb, which yeah. is harder. So I cannot explain to you why I suddenly passed out, but I felt exhausted. And the other person with me, who also does a lot of fitness, also passed out at the same time as I'm climbing up there. It's a very weird, very weird, weird thing. Um, and it's a very unpleasant... You know, it's, it made me feel uncomfortable when I got up there. Yeah. No. So... Let me just say this other thing. Mm-hmm. So, 30 miles away from there, and this is a weirder story still, but it's less talked about, but some of your listeners will know it, uh, it's the 23rd of August, 2008. Mike Heron, and this is only about 40 minutes away from where I live, less than, maybe less than that. He's a successful businessman. He um, owns a farm, and he also owns, uh, he, and he lives in Maryville. So this is 2008. This is relatively recent. Yeah, yeah it's like 15 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, he's 51. He's doing well for himself. He hasn't got any relationship issues. He disappears. Disappears. This And this time they find his car in high gear. And they find his ATV in high gear. Thousands of people involved in the search, including cadaver dogs. So dogs that look for dead bodies. <coughs> Not a trace of him is found. Jesus. There's a cave system around this area, and I'm starting to, and I've done a little bit of research into, and I found a couple of strange things, but we'll uh, we'll leave that hanging in the air for now. Oh no! Well, tell me about the feral there. people though, because that's fe- well, the speculation that there might be feral people in the area, or there has been. So who are these feral people? That, we where don't where they come from? But, How long have they? Well, tell well, me what you think. But, well, <laughs> I've never well, heard of this before. Well, the, the speculation that people may have well have retreated, for example. Cades Cove, there was a lot of compulsory land purchases. That was a national park. It wasn't a national park. It was where people lived. Yeah. Um, it's a very vibrant ecosystem. The winters are mild here. I mean, there's enough to survive on. Yeah. Could people be living out in the woods? Yeah. Or could these these people just have had terrible luck? Or could it be something right, else, right. another creature that's taken them? But that's what I'm investigating at the moment. I haven't come to a conclusion. But that's what I'm looking at right now, as well as the Bigfoot research. And I think the Mike Heron case is even more fascinating. I mean, they're, they're tragic. Let's just say that. I want to be respectful. Yeah, say yeah. Tragic. You have loved people who are dearly loved, a child and a father who are dearly loved by his family. So, so I think that's the most important point. But after that, it's a real mystery as to what happened here. And I want to see if I can get any more out of this. So that's what I'm working on right now, as well as the Bigfoot. I'm always working on the Bigfoot. 
How widespread is the <laughs> belief that they're feral? How widespread is that feral people idea? Is I don't know. I, I don't know. Down there? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, people would say it's more plausible than a Bigfoot, you know? Right, right, right. But, I mean, how much is – is that, like, just – Something people believe down there, I guess. Is what I'm trying to say, like, is it? No, like, the locals. Go, no, I don't think that. Yeah. I don't think this. I don't think most of them would know about this subject or would discuss it. I think you'd have to go yeah. on about it. I think Mike hearing was a very well discussed subject at the time, but that was that was then, and this is now. Now I was speaking to somebody who was buying a house off one of the policemen who was involved in the search for hearing, and and he said, you know, she said rather that his his garage was just covered with maps of the whole area because it frustrated oh, the police so much that they couldn't yeah, find yeah. any evidence of this dude at all you know yeah well it's i don't know what to make of it it's hard to say i mean people get there's a lot of disappearances in the wilderness that aren't uh like that, that don't, aren't unusual if you will you know what i mean it's like turns yeah. out it's actually fairly prosaic where it's like they fell and they're a remote area, and they just don't get found, and then their body gets scavenged, and, and know, that would they be don't okay. find them after a few years. But with, with the circumstances of this, do you want to come up? I'll swap with you. Yeah, come on. I'll swap with you. You come up. Don't worry. <laughs> she's just getting ready to – she's, she's um, getting ready to go to uh, work. She's up at five. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, um, so – you know, I think I think with um, with that, um, the thing that interests me about Hiram, as I say, is his vehicle was his vehicle was uh, in high gear, and so was his ATV. It almost right, right. felt like he saw something, was looking at something, and something took it. His 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 wallet was left in his car. Yeah. Right, right. And right. all his personal possessions. There was no reason for him to suddenly disappear, and then boom, he's gone. His family uh, suspect foul play, but there's never been an answer to it. And that's very interesting. There's a cave system there as well in that area, too. There's plenty to look at as well as the Bigfoot. Yeah, absolutely. That brings us back almost to, we talked about the Yuba County Five on the show back when we relaunched Penal America. It sounds like this case you're talking about here has the same element of an unseen compelling force compelled this guy to uh, leave the scene. We don't know what but some kind of unseen force drove him uh, out of the area, which is interesting. Uh, it's like, what was it? Phenomenal. What was it? Right. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I just find that super, super, super interesting. Um, so that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, right now, I'm looking at Bigfoot, and I'm looking at um, the feral people, and there's a, and quite a few cool things coming up early next year, not necessarily connected to them, but um, they're coming up. You want to ask me about the portal thing? And your list was like, probably in about an hour. So what do you want to ask exactly. me? Exactly. Well, how much? Well, I mean, come on, dude. There's so much to ask. But the we since we talked about it back uh, shit, how long ago was that? I forget now. It was like probably about eight years ago or something like that was when it all went down, I believe. Have it? Have you? Have your thoughts on what you experienced changed or evolved, or have you thought about? Obviously, you thought about it more, but like. You know, what's your what's your takeaway on that? Because, I mean, you've shared a lot of fascinating stories tonight, but th- this one experience 
has become iconic in a lot of ways. It, it really yeah, is. And in a way, you know, in a way. I, I hate to be that guy, but like, you know, they say, like, when they write your obituary, you're like, Adam Davies, a portal story, uh, fame. You it's, see, and that's, <laughs> that's just not what I want, you see. That's, I know, I know. It's not what I want. I mean, I, I sort of look at it, and, I, and, I, and it frustrates me because I never wanted that story to come out in the first place. You know that. Right, you know I remember, that story. yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think of all the things I've done, like, you know, crossing the Congo, the coolest swamp, which was hell on earth, and you know, people said, "Oh, this couldn't be done," or climbing mountains in Nepal, or whatever else. All these, you know, um, crossing that part of India, all these things I've done, you know. And then a few days in Oregon is like the thing that people want to talk to me about most. And yeah, like, yeah. Oh, fuck, well, hey. I'll just, I know, <laughs> but I'll just say in their defense, Adam. Yeah. Everybody listening to this, and you and I, and all of us, we, we all like. We're all chasing that unknown. Yeah, and yeah, like, I, I get you, that. You I, got that fucking, you got the glimpse of God, man. You got the ooh. glimpse of, like, whatever the fuck this is. So Yeah, and I had like, a very clear look for two, right. for a few nights. I saw the, these things very clearly. Um, what I did was this. I wrote a, and I'm not trying to sell this book. It's not a bestseller. Right. But I wrote a book called Portals and Monsters, which is a novel. Mm-hmm. Um and in that pond for Portals and Monsters, it's my favourite novel that I've written so far. I sort of let my, you know, when, when, when I talk about the actual experience I had, I, I'm very important to, to stick to the facts of what I saw and what I observed at the time. But in the, in the novel, I sort of let my mind go and imagine what these things could be, where they're from, and what their motivations are. And the, re- and that was a cathart- the reason I'm saying that is I'm answering your question is Absolutely. because it was it was a cathartic experience to be able to do that. I mean, the whole experience of what happened was completely horrific. To this day, it's the most horrific thing that's ever happened to me, and I have been shot at. Um, but it's it's the most horrific thing that's ever happened to me by a long way, and yeah. um, and it, it it's it's. It, it got, it's got easier to talk about over the years. Yeah. I do talk about it with John from time to time. I've never done a presentation on it or spoke about it publicly. Uh, right. The only time I ever spoke about it in an interview was that one time to you. And since yeah. then, I have never done it anywhere else. And, it, you know, I'll say to people, before we start, I'm not going to be talking about that portal thing. <laughs> painful to bring up, and that's why right. I wanted to well, I'm do it. sorry, you know. I didn't. No, yeah, no, no, I, I don't mind. I expected you to talk about it, and I want you know. And, and that we're weirdly bonded from by this. Yeah, thing, no, the way. No, so I, I, like... I expected you. I expected <laughs> you to. That was part of this interview. So, so you know, but the my my point is, I don't. I've never talked about it in public. I might do in the future. It's got easy to talk about, so yeah. it might be something that I talk about. So in answer to your question, I'm giving a long roundabout answer to your question. So my thoughts is, I thought about where they're from, what their motivation is. I've talked to John Carson about it. And we have different opinions about what they might be. And that's good. I I think John Carson is a great guy and I respect him a lot. He would say, I, I think that those things are interdimensional entities. I think that they are, you know, I'm giving my opinion. I can't say it fact. Yeah. I think the things that we encountered are interdimensional entities. With they, they showed to me, demonstrated a level of technology which was fallible because we were able to defeat it. 
and um, they are they showed emotion in, in, in our case very dark emotion anger and hatred uh, but, but, but there was technology there John would say they're demons um, that's because right. he's very religious and I respect that but I don't agree with it I think that they are I saw that world that they came from it looked to me physical I saw a tree if you recall it was gnarled uh, that it looked to me like they were coming from some some very unpleasant but physical place and, right, and right. with technology and that's my rationale again it goes back to the point I said earlier on I don't know and I probably will never know yeah. uh, I, I saw those creatures very clearly for many many hours intermittently overnight um, uh, and you know just to recap nobody was drinking or taking drugs or anything else like that they were unmistakable uh, and it wasn't just one night it was several it was several nights i know people will forever and i never wanted that story to come oh, out okay i thought it was yeah. just one night no it was a couple of nights we saw we saw them over. okay if you go back to your interview you'll you'll, you'll hear us say that All right, um, i have to check that I, I yeah yeah so it's the because we saw them one night and then it was the second night uh we, okay we, yeah we, now, we, now we, i'm kind of do right, you remember yeah. yeah so yeah. we saw them very clearly i mean and one of the reasons um stayed in the the the, the uh place but i mean we were there several days several night, days and nights but right, those, right, right. those things appeared the last few nights and one of the reasons that um stayed the stayed the final night because we were due to leave that day anyway was because it was so incredible so difficult to process i wanted to repeat the experiment and see if the same thing happened on that final night and it did you right. know so yeah so um yeah when you look back on that experience now you've had all this time to uh, think about it. Do you have any, I wouldn't necessarily call them regrets, but are there things you wish you had done differently, uh, you know, in retrospect? In relation to that thing? Yeah. No. I'm, I'm, glad, we, I'm glad we survived it. Um, All right. Well, I mean, I don't know if you. Yeah. Did you try to communicate with these things? You shout at them or anything? Well, well John shouted uh, at them the first okay. time that they yeah. popped out, and that did not provoke a good response. Whilst then, that's when they came down the stretch right. trying to attack us. Yeah. Um, um, and he shouted at them because he was it was anger and, and, and horror, I think, at what they were. Because um, I'd said I'm not going to go to bed if those things are around. And yeah, said, yeah. Well, what are you going to do? He shouted at them, what are you going to do if we don't go to bed? And that was when they launched themselves at us and went for us. And that was the worst moment. No, I think I think um, after that, I think we were pretty cool-headed. We were cool-headed, you know, um, dealing with that situation. Uh, we had a lot of time talking about it to one another, trying to process it all. And it's very difficult. And, and, and you know, I don't mind taking stick. I'm in the public eye. You know, I make films. Yeah. I make that Yeti Massacre film for Discovery recently. If anybody's seen that. So I'm on TV, we go to talks, and people sometimes will give you stick. But it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to take stick about something, an incident that's so horrific to you. Yeah. You know, that it's so, which, which causes you so much suffering. And then someone's trying to make a joke about it. That's hard to take. Right, you know? right, yeah. And it's yeah. hard for John to take. Um, so we talked about that quite a lot. And the other side of the coin is people will turn around to me and say, well, you're incredibly blessed have seen those things. I don't yeah. feel like I'm fucking blessed at all. It was a nightmare. 
yeah? Right, right. I'd be yeah, blessed yeah. if I saw Bigfoot. I've always wanted to see that, <laughs> that fucker. I'd be blessed yeah, if yeah, I saw yeah. the Orang Pandek. I, was, I felt like I was blessed when I did see the cellular serpent in Norway. But they, those things, they, they, that, that was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I don't feel blessed about it. I really don't. <laughs> How would you, uh, from what I remember, these were like almost e Ewok-like creatures in a way, or sort of like diminutive. Uh, they were like small and stocky creatures. and black. Yeah, and they had little, um, little like pinhole red eyes. But it wasn't that. It was the. It was when, the, the, it was when John shouted that thing. It's this, this single moment, which is the worst thing for me. Is when John shouted that, and they came down to the path towards us, and they moved in this like ragged, raggedy orange glow. But it was the, the thing opened its mouth, and it had such hate on it. It's, you know, it's, it was contorted. This one that was coming towards me. And I was getting ready to yeah. fight it, uh, and I was thinking, um, I'm going to die here, and no one's going to know how I died, you know? And all the other things right. I've done, you know I've taken a lot of life risks. Um, there's always been a chance that I would have died before now, you know? All the, things, all the things I've done, Tim, but I think it was, like, the fact that these things were going to do that. That was the thing that really disturbed me more than anything else, and I can't uh, tell you why, but that was that was the worst moment. Well, yeah, that would certainly thinking you were going to die. It certainly would be. It's not the thinking the I was going to die. It's not the thinking I was going to die. It was the fact that no one would know how I died. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Not dying. You know, I've, 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 there's been many a time when I thought I might die. It was the it was the how I was going to go. That was the thing. That so you're very different for me. I think if uh, I think that would probably be the one thing I'd be happy about. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to leave behind a fucking wild mystery. They're not going to know what happened to Benal. They're going to be like, what the fuck happened to Benal? He just vanished or whatever. He was eaten <laughs> by some unknown predator or whatever. Something wild. So uh, I don't know if you know Steve Berg. I don't, he may have reached out to you. He's a paranormal podcast. He's also an actor. Uh, no, I don't know. He's an actor. Well, he's a huge fan. He's obsessed with this. He he. Had a couple of questions about this, so I told him, since it's the Christmas, you know, since we're coming out for Christmas, I'll figure, uh, give him a little gift. He's responsible, really, for Banal America coming back, so he's okay, to really charge me. Um, he wants to know, how did this affect you and your reality? Did this change the way you look I, at reality I think, after a, I think that's a super, super good question. Um, and it did have a profound effect on me, because I was always quite, um, linear and quite scientific in my approaches, even though I look for unknown creatures. Uh, you know, I considered myself reasonably well-educated. I had a degree and a postgrad as well, you know. And I thought, well, actually, I know nothing. These things exist, and I know nothing, really nothing about how the world works, how these things work, or, or anything else, yeah? It, so it had a profound effect on my worldview, because I thought, well, if these things can exist and they do exist they observed them very clearly um, so did john for hours and hours intermittently over over several nights they exist so what what yeah. the fuck is going on here we really know very little we really are scratching the surface i mean it's, it's a common analogy but you know um we often talk about whether creatures i don't think these were that technologically that far advanced than us more so but not 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 super 
But, you know, if I put the most intelligent, it's an analogy that I've heard before, but I'm going to play it here. If I put the most intelligent ant in front of this laptop, it could be the brightest ant in the world, but it wouldn't be able to work here. So what I mean by that is, you know, it's, it's, it, it, as a human, it's very humbling to know that, the, that there are so much in the world that I really don't know or understand. And uh, that's just, you know, that's just it. Yeah. Um, What's right. his other question? His other question, and this is kind of, I think you kind of almost answered this in a way, but uh, I'm going to, he wants to know if you had any other paranormal high strange activity after the portal event. But I guess we know that you have because you've talked about these incidents afterwards. So I guess what I want to know to piggyback off of that is, is do you think that this experience might have like change activated you, let's say, let's use that as the, as the, a- as activated the me. what do you mean? As in made, made me paranormally more heightened. Yeah. Maybe, maybe flip something. Maybe, yeah. Maybe yeah. sort of opened you up to the other side, if you will. Yeah. It seems it like could, since then you've had a lot of experience. That was like really the most, I yeah. mean, Adam, I talked to you over the years. I know because it started out where you nothing. were like a mild mannered British clerk who was going on these trips to fucking look for the Orang Pendek, and then you came to America, you, the Bigfoot thing happened, the picture. Then the next time out, the portal happened, and now it's just like, oh, yeah, and I haven't felt, we haven't got time tonight to go through all the other stories, but, I, 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 but yes, very possibly. Very possibly, Tim, because it wasn't something I really looked into within any depth before before that happened to me. In fact, I did nothing on it. In England, um, yeah. I did, you know, England with all its history, I did no paranormal um, right. stuff whatsoever. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Probably, maybe. I don't know. So, it's just interesting. You know, like you were saying the story about going to the Native American area and you're in the thing and the things are pelted in the cabin. It was like I was getting portal flashbacks there. Mm-hmm. It's like, how the fuck do you know you're not dealing with the same force that you were mm-hmm. that night in, in uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in Oregon or whatever? Well, I don't think it was the same. I don't feel the same. It was a certain oppression I felt with, with the things in, 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 um, in Oregon. And I never, I've never seen them or I should say I've never seen them or felt them anywhere else ever. I've been in some very remote areas, so so um, so so uh, I can't say that I ever I ever did again. But um, yeah, it, it could be. I mean, there's other things that I'll tell you another time when we next chat. Because and the reason I, I'm I'm keeping them back a little bit is because they haven't the, the story is not finished yet. Uh, yeah. But to go to your question, um, I'll take your opinion on that um, in that in that way. You know. It certainly seems that way, but, um, and you know, when I ask about having regrets, it's not necessarily like that, uh, I guess I mean almost like, well, I wish I had thrown a rock at these things. Maybe you did. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's like, well, well, maybe was, I, well, maybe it, I should have offered them food or whatever. See if they ate something, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, I see what you mean. No, I think I was, I think, I wouldn't, don't think I would have done anything differently there. You know, I think it was a question of survival. I right. felt like we were in a battle. And yeah, if you like those flashlights we had, were like our weapon, because that was what was shutting down their technology. I felt like I was in a battle. Yeah. Yeah. 
And how's John handling all this still? Is he is he kind of come uh, to grips with what you guys experienced? Um, I think he, um, I think he, um, he's good with it now. I think he, I mean, he, when I say good with it, when we when it first happened, it was extremely unpleasant, and we talked to one another um, on uh, Skype at the time just to sort of make ourselves feel better better because it was an impossible thing it was really difficult and people really struggled with it I mean I remember talking about it in the pub one night with my friends who I've been friendly with for years you know and then and a lot of them are just not remotely interested in this subject at all you know cryptozoology or anything like that (coughs) that people I've grown up with so it's always a good balance to have that because you know but <coughs> I told them the story, and there was just absolute dead silence in the pub. Absolute, you could hear a pin drop. And then <laughs> one of them started talking about football. You know, it was just yeah, too much. Yeah. It was just too much. It wasn't that they didn't believe me. They knew me. They did believe me. It was yeah. just too much for people to process. So it felt very weird. And so um, it's a comfort, I think, to me, and I think probably... If John were here, he would say vice versa. <clears throat> to have, have had one another to share that experience you know, and, and be able to, if there's one positive, it's the fact that we had that shared experience, horrific though it was, and we're able to um, process it by talking to one another about it. You know? Yeah, that's true. If it had just been you or just him, then it would have been kind of... It would have been much worse. Much worse. But yeah. Then, you know, that it would have been much worse. I'm glad he was there, although I didn't want him to suffer, and I'm sure he'd say the same if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I feel bad now because you sound like, I mean, I remember you saying how difficult it was, but it it sounds even now, years later, it sounds like it was even more traumatic in a way than even, because when we talked originally, I think he was still kind of full of piss and vinegar from the experience in a way. Well, I was more intense. Was, I was more intense about it. Yeah, but, but, yeah. But, but, but now I'm more reflective on it. Right, uh, right. So it's it. Uh, I'm standing a little bit back from it. <coughs> it's not painful to talk to you about it now, but I wouldn't spend a whole evening chatting away to a group of happy campers about it. You know. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. As I say, yeah, I do yeah, presentations. And I've done a lot of talks on my expeditions in different parts of the country, but I've never talked about it on a presentation. And this is the only interview I've ever done, and I've come back to it on your interview, and that's it. It's not something I commonly talk about. Right, right, exactly. So I think, well, we'll move on, I guess, because there's really nothing, and I'm going to get you out of here like in 10 minutes or so because okay. I'm pretty wiped out. And I know you yeah, yeah, I can tell you wiped out, and I've got to get up early. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what is so? I've I've seen pictures lately of you traveling around uh, to various areas. So, what the hell have you been up to? You said you made a movie or something. Uh, well, the, one of the things I did I did that's just come out was a couple of things that I'm doing right now. Uh, Yeti Dis- Yeti Massacre is on Discovery right now. I was yeah. a part of that, and that deals with the Diatlov Pass incident in 1959. Um, oh, okay. And, and I was a part of that show. <clears throat> but if anyone wants to watch that, they can just 
Google Yeti Massacre on Discovery. And it's an interesting story. It's got some new evidence to it, which I thought made it uh, made it worth. I'm glad I was a part of it because of the evidence, the new evidence that they brought to the table. Any of these TV shows dramatise things. It's a horrific story. I don't want to ruin it in case any of you people don't know. Right, right. Um, by the time your interview airs, my new novel will will come out, and that's called Monsters in Maryville, and that will be out. That will be out by the time that this interview airs um, in. Uh, at Christmas, so that'll be out. Um, and I'm also researching the uh, Bigfoot and the feral people around Tennessee. Tennessee's very beautiful, um, yeah, and uh, I, I like I like researching in the area. I love it. And I've got a few big things to do in January, February, March. Uh, so they're already coming up. So there's a few things I'm excited about. Uh, coming up, but I, I can't really talk about them yet because I don't want to ruin them. But there's one very cool story coming up in February, which I will enjoy telling you about uh, after I've done it. You'll be like, "Oh shit!" Put, put, nice, it, put it like nice. that. Now, you yeah. So uh, you mentioned novels and everything. So how what made you sort of transition to writing novels, and how many have you written now? And I guess talk a little bit about that because. Yeah. You only kind of casually mentioned it, but this is a sort of a pivot in a way from what we had talked about in the past. This is a well, new, I, 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 mean, I mean, you may have been doing it for a while, but it's been a while since we talked, so it's like, yeah, okay, course. now you no, write no. novels. So. It's fair enough. I wrote three expedition books, uh, Extreme Expeditions 1, 2, and 3, which detail my life, if you like. Uh, but but in order to create one of those books, because I write in the I don't write about other people's experiences, not because I'm not interested in them. I wanted to create diaries at the time of my adventures um, right. because, you know, I was told uh, if you don't write them, they'll be lost and they'll be lost in the sands of time. And you should write them. I think Lauren was the first person who told me to do that. And I'm glad uh, that that happened because... Um, so I did create those stories and, and detail those. And, and, and I'm really glad I did, especially as I've got a history degree. So, but in order to create enough material for me to be satisfied, remember most of the time, as I have said during this interview, nothing happens. It can take years for one of those books to happen. Now, the next right. book um, of that ilk will be in 18 months' time. It will be 18 months before I publish. I feel like I've got enough material to, to publish a new book. Um, so, as I mentioned, I got long COVID, uh, and that's why I wrote Revenge of the Hairy Man, you know, because I was recovering, and I had a real fuzzy-headedness, and I was recovering, and I, I thought that that actually helped me, you know, on a cerebral level, to yeah. um, to to write that uh, book, and so that's why I wrote Revenge of the Hairy Man, uh, and then I, I thought, well, this is good. I enjoyed writing that. As a cathartic experience, I'll write Portals and Monsters, which is imagining those creatures and where they came from, as a novel. And, right. and I enjoyed writing the first... Well, I was glad I wrote the, the first one. I felt better in my mind after writing it. The second one was a cathartic experience. And the third one, uh, Evil and Olinbury, I wrote when I first got to Tennessee, because uh, I had, you know, a little bit of time. So I wrote... I wrote that, 
And then this next one, Monsters in Maryville, it's given me an opportunity to write slightly differently. I've written a lot about creatures, but this one has more of a paranormal twist. So it's a slightly different emphasis. So it became, the reason I wrote those novels, the last two was more because I enjoyed writing. Whereas the first two were both, almost came out of necessity, and then these next two came out of um, pleasure, in a way. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you find it, I guess you could say, yeah, you said you found it kind of cathartic to write yeah. the fiction. Yeah, it's good for me. So. It's good for me. It gives me a bit of a creative outlet, and that's good for me. I'm glad I, I'm glad I did it. I'm not going to write tons and tons. I'll write maybe a few more, uh, but, but that'll be it. But I, I've enjoyed doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're still surfing for Bigfoot here in America, and you're hoping I to will. make contact with the feral people. Will you, will you yeah, I'll do that. Down and break bread with the feral people? Would you eat, eat dinner with them? <laughs> I don't know what they'd eat. There's a starting point. Yeah, you got to be careful. You end up you on the dinner table, right? got to be careful. I don't know what I'd do. I mean, I've, I've met travel people um, before. I mean, it's still unlikely that these, things, these people could exist. Let me just say that. I'm not trying to say... There's a big tribe of, of these people out there. No, 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 I don't think I've like that. met tribal people before, uh, you know, including pygmies, as you know, you know, I've, I've, uh, and stuff like that. So we don't think I'd have a lot of problem doing that. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm always rolling the dice, Tim. Yeah, I'm always rolling the dice. And there's, there's some cool things coming up I feel positive about um, the first few months of next year. Put it like that. There you go. Sounds good. All right, well, uh, as I told Adam when we started the show tonight, I'm pretty under the weather, and it's uh, a couple days after Christmas, so we're all a little wiped out. And uh, that's a joke for folks wondering, because this is not recorded. Uh, well, it's live. It's, we're certainly not live. So um, how was your Christmas? Was it good? My Christmas was amazing. I couldn't believe, <laughs> I couldn't believe that you actually, as well as the pajamas, you actually got me, finally. But I've always wanted a partridge in a pear tree. Tim, you're a fucking legend. <laughs> fucking legend. Hey, I had I had to go all out for your big return to the show. So. <laughs> and I, I had a fantastic. I got everything I wanted. It was amazing. Everything I asked for. <laughs> Couldn't have asked for a better Christmas. Oh man. Well, I it, it's it's been great catching up with you, Adam. I, I in a sense Thank I want to uh, apologize in a sense because it's like. I, you know, when I kind of step back from doing the show, I used to lose, I lost touch with a lot of people uh, who were on the program. Um, so it's like, uh, I actually was catching up on one guest who I was, I'll probably mention this at some point before this show airs, but yeah, I was, look out when I was putting the shows together again, I'm like, you know, I got to get in touch with this guy. And I looked it up and he had died like three years ago. I'm like, oh shit. So it's uh, it's it's good to reconnect with all these folks who've been on the show for who were on the show for years and years and years. You know, you were a part of the fabric of been all of America for a super long time. Um, you know, you you were really uh, an annual staple of the show. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry that we lost touch for all those years when I kind of dipped out of the scene. But it sounds like you've had so many adventures. As I said uh, tonight, we kind of filled the filled the show here with a whole bunch of news stories uh, of your... Oh, yeah, and there's, there's, there's more we could, but we'll do that another time. And I'm glad, I'm really glad, this has nothing to do with the, the, the podcast, I'm really glad that uh, that you connected. Again, I was, it was good to hear from you, Tim. Um, 
I, I, I always enjoy talking to you. I, you know, I enjoyed hanging out with you. And, you know, I want you to be well. So take it easy. Oh, I'll be all right. Yeah. I'll take be. it easy. <laughs> I'm on the back end of this. So it's kind of like I was I figured I'd get out of it by Saturday. And now I'm just kind of like, oh, come on, man. Come on. Um, but, yeah, it's been great. It's been great. And and I can hear I, – I, I want to sort of put this out for emphasis in a way because I can – I can kind of hear the skeptical people, but it's it's important to note, like like you said, you go on all these adventures and everything, and you're just telling us the shit, the good shit that happens. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna be like, yeah, then I went to Des Moines, Iowa, and nothing. You know, we went camping. I, start, I stood in the rain for two weeks. You know, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's why I say that's why it takes so many years to get enough material for 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 uh, a nonfiction book because I want it to be. Uh, stuff that's interesting for, for readers so that they get their, their money's worth. But, I mean, I do have a lot of adventures. I am blessed. I can't say that I've lived a normal life, but I've never wanted one. So, uh, so there we are. Yeah, there you go. All right, brother. Well, I hope you uh, have a very happy new year and uh, stay out of trouble and keep in touch. And now that Penal of America is back, Hopefully on the regular, uh, you know, we wouldn't call it the revival if we weren't really uh, committed to sticking with this new this new uh, run of shows. Uh, that means we're going to get you back on again in the future uh, for more conversations. Once, uh, you know, once you've accumulated some new adventures, we'll get you back on and we'll, we'll hear about those and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. So it's, it's great to be back. It's great to have you back in the mix here on Banal of America, and, uh, you know, I appreciate everything you've done for the show over the years and, and your commitment to uh, to br- bringing us crazy shit. You know, I, I remember back in the day, you'd write me and be like, you got to get me on. This is, I just, I remember with the portal thing. It's like, you were like, I got a crazy story. You're the only one I can tell this story to. I need to tell it now because things And that was crazy, true. So. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it. But I like the fact that, as I say, I like the fact that you've documented my adventures over the years. I like that continuity aspect to it. So I'll be back. I'll be back, I promise you. Awesome. All right, brother. Well, thank you very much. It's been great. All I right. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. See you soon, Tim.